The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Well, I'm excited for another episode of Data Gurus. I'm Seema Vasa, your host. And today we have Vin Vishista with us. And he is a expert, at least in my mind, on data science. It's a, it's a field that's really up and coming. We continue to hear about it. And, you know, there's, it feels like there's blending between market research, consumer insights, and data science. Time to welcome this week's Data Guru. So welcome, Vin, to the show. Vin, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. So, Vin, I would love for you just to share with our listeners what your background is in this field and kind of your experiences. Yeah, Uh, quick background on me. I've been in technology now for about 22 years. Um, In data science, only for about the last eight of that, using kind of the modern tools and architectures. Before that... um, I've done everything from gaming companies to third-party distribution. I had a business while I was in college that turned into something. And that was, you know, in the early days of web development and moving access databases around and that sort of thing. So I've kind of been there and done that when it comes to technology. Went to school to do machine learning and uh, went to school about 15 years too early for it. So now I'm happily, you know, it's been a long road, but I'm happily where I wanted to be in the first place. Right now I'm running a company called V-Squared Consulting. It's an extension of my private consulting practice. Found a team of folks that are like-minded and also exceptionally talented. Love our clients. uh, And we're in a really exciting space right now. That's really exciting. So, so from what you, from what I gather, it sounds like you have had a lot of experiences leading up to where you are today, um, which is always nice because you could use your history and experiences to tie into what you're, what you're focused on today. And I'm curious from your perspective, and this is kind of the million dollar question. Maybe it's not a million dollar question. It's a big question. What is data science? How how do, how should people think about it? Well, it really depends upon your perspective. Uh, if you're someone trying to come into the field, right, then data science is going to be uh, sort of this aggregate skill set between a strong mathematical background, uh, strong scientific research background, strong technology programming, uh, you know, data modeling background, kind of slammed all together and you sprinkle some business acumen and domain knowledge on top of it and you have a data scientist. If you're a company, data science is really the the bridge between all this data that you've been told for you know 15 years that you needed to be keeping because it was going to be worth something someday. Well, today's that day. And so the role of data science is really that bridge between the data that you've been collecting and the value that you've been hoping to be able to sort of tease out of this data. 
for cost savings, for new product lines, for opportunities to understand your business better, to make better strategic long-term decisions. Uh, you know, practical applications are everything from predictive maintenance to optimizing traffic flow in cities. Uh, you know, a lot of smart cities and smart grid type applications and autonomous vehicles are always the thing that gets pointed to. But there's so much more that data science and machine learning can do for businesses. So a lot of companies are in this exploratory process where they're just beginning to understand what you can do with data, what data scientists can do for the company, and what kind of products they want to start building. It's a really exciting time. That's so cool. Are there certain industries that you know, you're seeing receptivity or exploration of, of this practice of data science within, within uh, corporations? I think everyone's receptive to it. It's such a okay. huge buzzword that everyone wants in. Everyone just intuitively understands there's something here. And there's so many positive case studies, but there's also, you know, the sprinkling of failures that we're starting to hear about. And, and so while there's a lot of exuberance across pretty much every industry, every company, that's, you know, obviously mid-sized and up, the smaller ones, startups definitely, you know, the very smallest businesses are, are happy with analytics and BI, but in kind of that mid-size to large business and startup space, it's almost universal interest. But if you want to know where, you know, who's, most receptive who's most adopted this you're really looking at manufacturing because in one way shape or form they've been doing analytics data science predictive for a very long time they they are almost the pioneers you could mm -hmm. say in a lot of respects of data science through things like predictive maintenance supply chain optimization and a number of other you know business uses that they've found so I think they are, you know, if you had to, if I had to pick a most receptive, they would be it. And, 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 and are you finding, when you say receptive, it's, it's more about, uh, you know, I always find in corporations, you need an advocate. You need somebody who's very passionate mm -hmm. about bringing in a new discipline or changing an approach. And are you finding that those advocates are within, you know, the manufacturing type companies and, and championing the efforts? In the manufacturing companies, that's really where you're going to find that. Okay. And in almost every other company, you're probably not going to find mm. that, which is just this huge dichotomy. If, you know, if I had to kind of give a, an advocacy scale of one to 10, the majority of companies are three or less. They don't have anyone at the executive level or the C-suite level who's truly advocating for data science. And so it's kind of this higher data science, hopefully the best approach. Right. And that's not working. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you're pushing the elephant from the wrong end in a lot of mm -hmm. cases, trying to get data science into those companies. Whereas if you look at manufacturing, it's really, you know, data usage and data driven is so kind of inherent in everything they've been doing for quite some time that you'll find those advocates are there. You'll find C-suite sponsors and executive level sponsors who will be engaged and be involved in these projects because they've seen how much money data can mm -hmm. save them and how much, you know, how much better product they can offer to their customers using data as kind of a facilitator. And so 
in manufacturing, you do often find executive level sponsors. Airbus is one of the one of the great examples, in my opinion, of a company that really top to bottom understands exactly why and what data to gather, how to gather it, and then how to turn it into something useful. That's fascinating. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how they might have used, uh, you know, the data science approach or function to be able to do that? I don't know if that's something you can well, share with us. Uh, for From their perspective, just at a high level, mm-hmm. you know, without putting anybody to sleep, <laughs> they've put so many sensors into an airplane that, you know, it, it's gone from there's a few hundred sensors to now there's tens of thousands of sensors and you're getting just this enormous amount of data from every single flight. And all of it is fed into predictive models to understand how to maintain your aircraft fleet in the best way possible to minimize things like downtime and unexpected, you know, impacts from unexpected maintenance to, you know, every safety analysis, just this broad range of use cases that they've developed. And they have a level of sophistication with data science and predictive approaches that it's rare to see. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious for, and as you know, you know, data gurus is really, it's kind of, real focus is, is in the research, um, market research space. And, you know, mm-hmm. our, our ecosystem is being impacted, uh, you know, for the people that are optimists, it's being impacted in that it's becoming bigger. And for the people that are very nervous, it's impacted <laughs> because it feels smaller. So I'm, right. curi- I'm curious, you know, have, have you, from your data science kind of lens, have you, bumped into, have you talked to market research professionals and and client organizations? And is there a partnership? Has there been any kind of experience from that perspective? I think when it comes to that partnership, you're looking at kind of the emergence of bringing data science out of the silo, Mm -hmm. which a lot of companies have it in where it's this this boxed-in group, uh, you know, if you want any of their time, you have to schedule it seven years in advance, and they're kind of scary to talk to in a right. lot of cases. <laughs> you know, but marketing is really one of the groups that's bringing data science, what I say, out of, out of its shell. Okay. And when you look at the researcher role, that partnership between a data scientist and a researcher, especially for marketing, mm-hmm. is critical because... It's when you start talking about the relationship, you're talking about a researcher who's going to feed you as a data scientist quality data about a very, very complex topic, which is typically your customer. Right. It can range from, you know, information about pricing that goes into pricing models to advertising to, you know, predictive marketing and predictive ad buying and that sort of thing. And there's so much data that you could be collecting, but if you don't collect it in a responsible way, what you end up with is the most sophisticated model in the world just doing garbage in, garbage out. And so the relationship between a qualified, you know, skilled, educated researcher and a high-quality data scientist is one of those roles that brings data science out of the shell because it's necessary. The, the researcher really doesn't have a whole lot of 
applications for the research without things like data science, without those downstream roles. And the data scientists can create the most complex thing in the world, but with garbage data coming in, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. You could spend half of your existence just cleaning data up and really achieve no tangible goal if you don't have that relationship with the people that are going to be gathering the data for you. And so I think that that's one of those bridges that organizations can make that, like I said, it brings data science out of the shell. Right. And I, and I so agree with you. I think that as researchers, many people, I mean, you know, part of the role is to bring context, right, to the the data Mm -hmm. or the analysis that's being created and linking it to a business problem or linking it to a research objective. And Mm -hmm. when, when we think about the evolution of research, you know, it could very well be a partnership with many of the data science folks or functions to be able to provide that context and, and get um, the data scientist folks kind of more integrated from the perspective of a business problem that's trying to be solved. Would you agree with well, that? What's also important, I definitely would. What's also important is, and you kind of brushed past it, but it's really one of the, what I think is one of the biggest con- contributions that you can make in data science is bringing a scientific rigor. Mm-hmm. to data gathering. There's definitely a scientific rigor to the role of the data scientist, but in a lot of cases, there's no pedigree behind the data. There's no understanding of where the data came from, who gathered it, how was it gathered, well, you know, was it responsibly sourced, was it gathered in a way that is actually useful, is actually considering biases that may be able to creep in mm-hmm. or other external factors that may introduce a significant amount of noise into the data. And adding that scientific rigor to the process is just a huge contribution because it makes everything that happens after that, you know, the, the role of the data scientist becomes more reliable because we know where the data came from and we know the data was responsibly as well as uh, scientifically sourced. And that makes all the difference. Sure. When it well, comes to results, sets, and accuracy. You, you need that base foundation to be credible, right? Uh, if you're making exactly. Exactly. decisions. When you think about organizations, you know, I've, I've often had conversations within the research space where people are like, yeah, data science, it's great, but it's expensive. You know, you have to clean mm-hmm. the data. You have to kind of collate in a way that you can read it and aggregate it to make to make decisions or, you know, be able to be able to use it for predictive measures um, right. versus it might be just easy to do a traditional research project and less expensive and faster. What would you say to that? Well, I, I would agree. I mean, in a lot of cases, and this is what I advocate for frequently in data science, you shouldn't do data science and machine learning for the sake of data science and machine learning. Right. And one of the hallmarks of a strong data science team or you know, a, a good data science leader mm-hmm. is when to say, don't, no, you don't need machine learning. No, you don't need data science for this problem. In a lot of cases, basic analytics approaches are more than enough. In a lot of cases, a research project and an experiment will get you to where you want to go. Data scientists and machine learning experts have more than enough work. We don't need to be creating it for ourselves. And so in a lot of cases, the responsible thing to do is to agree Mm -hmm. 
mm. where where it makes sense that this may be the only thing you need. And it adds credibility in a lot of cases to the business cases that really do need machine learning and data science. You stop sounding like someone who says, oh, yeah, data science can solve everything. Your hair, <laughs> it's missing. We can fix that. <laughs> you know, yes. there's, there's too much of that. And no, we don't regrow. Yeah, exactly. We don't regrow hair yet. We're working on that, but we're not there yet. (laughs) But we need to admit to it. You know, data science is not a panacea. It's a set of methodologies. And it works very, very well under conditions that, you know, a, a smart data scientist understands. And so if the business case simply doesn't support this approach, data science being better than the next alternative, and data science is, you're right, more expensive. Why do it? Right. If there's no business case for it, there's no point. Right. So this is, again, why I say, you know, the researcher role is such an important one in bringing data scientists out of the silo. Because you you can really free up, and it's the same thing with analytics and BI, and the infrastructure that most companies already have mm-hmm. can handle about 80% of the projects. You know, whether that's simple data cleansing whether that's a research project to, to gather data, mm-hmm. uh, you know, across the board, a lot of the existing infrastructure within the company can handle most of the projects. It's that 20% where the data scientist says, or the data science team says, that this is something we can actually add significant value for. Those are the home runs. And those return so much either cost savings or revenue to a business that a lot of times you'll see data science teams stepping over a million dollar project to get to one that makes 25,000. And it's just saying no more and just admitting that a lot of times the other organizations are right. We don't need data science for this. It's a huge thing to say no more often. Yeah. It's almost like you need criteria to really determine when, when is, what is the right solution uh, depending on the business problem, the speed in which you need to get, get to, and you know, how, how much will it impact, right? So if you're going to basically change your whole supply chain, uh, data science probably plays a very important role there because it's so robust with right. all the additional data that is there. And there's no question, right, in terms of the foundation. But if you're doing something... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, and, and when you hear, there's keywords. When you hear we need to optimize, that's a data science or machine learning problem. Right. Data science and machine learning can handle optimization problems very, very well, especially when it comes to the manufacturing space across the board. Supply chain is just one example. Mm -hmm. But then you hear other problems where you say, well, that's a research problem. Mm -hmm. We're not at the stage where I can tell you data science can solve that problem. We need to do step one first. And you're right. It's entrance criteria, just like any other project. Right. Where you need to do step one first. You need to do the research, and that research needs to be done by someone who's more qualified to do it than perhaps co-opting a data scientist to do it. Because data scientists can do a lot of things, but are they the best person in the organization to do it? Right. That's not always necessarily yes. And so, again, you've kind of nailed it. It's really having that entrance criteria and having sort of a process to determine whether this is a data science and machine learning project, whether this is probably something that should be handled by a different organization or a different approach, or whether we're not ready to make that decision, whether we don't have the information to say yay or nay in one direction. That makes sense. So I want to shift gears a little bit. I am... 
I, I uh, read a lot of your posts and, you know, there seems to be a common theme. And when I say posts, I mean on LinkedIn, a common theme to really encourage, empower uh, up and coming data scientists. And I'm curious, what, it, there seems to be fundamentally a challenge for people coming into data science. Can you share a little bit more about that? Well, there's a two catch-22s. Mm-hmm. And for aspiring data scientists, the, their catch-22 is how do you get experience that every job description in data science seems to require when no one will hire you without experience? Oh, I see. And that's, that's sort of the catch-22 for data scientists is a lot of them who have, a lot of folks who have graduated with masters and PhDs, mm-hmm. they have research experience, they have maybe an internship here or there. Uh, the resume is impressive right. by any standard. But a data science job description is asking for, in most cases, three to five years or at least two years of experience in data science. So how do companies expect them to get that experience? That's a great question. Right. Is there some magical place that they go to? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I encourage I encourage students obviously to do independent project work Mm -hmm. and a lot of the a lot of the type of stopgap measures that I've come up with help. But the the catch twenty two on the other side is equally intriguing. On the company side, you have data science and everybody wants in on data science. It's kind of a three slide presentation. Right. Slide one, you know, data science will solve every problem, baldness, everything. Data (laughs) science is the answer. It's amazing. Slide two is blank. Slide three is profit. And and we'll all bonus and we're all going to make tons of money and we're going to increase the bottom line by 38% or some crazy number and everybody's going to be happy. It's that middle slide of execution that's left completely blank. Right. So, and you need a data scientist to really fill in that slide. But how do you hire a data scientist if you don't know what you need from the data scientist? And so a lot of these job descriptions are being built kind of by consensus, by average. You know, here's the average salary. Here's what I see in every other job description. Here's what we could possibly need and maybe a couple of kitchen sink items. And so you have on one side, this kind of hiring morass with with job descriptions that don't make any sort of sense because no one in the organization has really defined what data science is going to do for the organization. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you have data scientists who, by and large, the experienced ones are already golden handcuffed to their existing roles. So they're not joining companies that put these job descriptions out, they may be qualified for them, but they look, they take one look at the company and go, nope. Right. And so you have companies who need data scientists, but won't hire the available data scientists. And you have available, you know, aspiring data scientists who can't get hired. And so the supply is not increasing because no one's hiring new data scientists. And and so you have, and it's these two catch 22s that are, in this interesting feedback loop. And the reason why I talk so much about it is because we've got to break that feedback loop. What do you think is going to happen? For us to make, uh, I, well, you know, obviously if you hire me, I will know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hire me, I'll solve all the world's problems, yeah. uh, baldness. No. <laughs> I think what's going to end up happening 
in the end is that companies are going to slowly learn through multiple failures mm-hmm. that data science is a business role. And you you hit it on the head with you need to have a business case for data science. And really the first hire in a data science initiative has to be someone who can build the team, but also build the business case for data science within the organization and tie it to strategic goals. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see through, some companies are going to do this the easy way, but a lot of companies are going to do this the same way we do technology all the way back to you know when technology became pervasive in companies, right. is through trial and error, they're going to learn the hard lessons. There's an easier way, but for the most part, Companies don't like to take that. And I, I would love to say that we're going to, you know, this time we're going to do it right. But I think we still have a little bit of, little bit of toe stubbing and hard lessons learned to overcome before, you know, we understand what to do or companies understand what to do generally with new technologies like this one, especially with one as complicated as data science and machine learning, because it's, it's the beginning of several waves of these highly complex technologies that have huge upside, but a whole lot of learning curve. Sure. I mean, I actually think in my optimistic mindset that there could be a really good partnership, um, a relationship within consumer insights or research mm-hmm. and data science uh, within organizations because it, it, it forces both parties to kind of learn from each other. And at least there's, you know, somebody who's already ingrained in the organization and mm-hmm. is willing to learn something new and they can kind of help steer and partner together to kind of get to the right solutions for the business problem at hand. But again, I know that's naive and it requires a really open mindset on all parties to do something like that. Well, I think you're right in a lot of ways. You know, the the hard lessons are going to be first learned by entrenched organizations, mm-hmm. organizations like marketing and roles like researchers who right. are closer to data scientists than most other roles. And so you're going to see engineering. Engineering is another one of those roles that's closer to data science. Yep. Analytics is another one of those roles. So, you know, from research to analytics to engineering and organizations like marketing, mm-hmm. uh, they're those are going to be the entrenched pieces that kind of get it first. Mm -hmm. And they're going to help kind of bring the call for things like executive level sponsorship, business case first, data science second, more sustainable hiring practices, you know, so on and so forth. You're going to see HR kind of come into this and talent organization, talent acquisition kind of come into this. And you're going to see a lot of these existing groups start to understand where they fit. Right. Because they have, you know, they have a lot of close relationships to making data science and machine learning successful in the organization. And as each one of these organizations kind of understands where they fit Mm -hmm. and how they can help and how this role and, you know, the outputs of data science can help them, Mm -hmm. that's where you're going to see a lot of that positive momentum. I think research in general, that role is going to be one of the early sort of advocates that get on the side of machine learning and data science and also that hold the group accountable right? because we need more of that. We really need, you know, when you say things like, what would you say to people who say that, you know, data science 
isn't always the right way to go. All he needs a research project. That's the sort of accountability we need to have start. Because when those conversations start happening, you know, when people feel like they have the, you know, the intellectual high ground to have that sort of conversation, mm-hmm. then the hype sort of gets pushed back and the cloudiness sort of gets pushed back and you start to really dive into, okay, now what are we really going to do? Right. How are we really going to make money off of this new technology? So let's switch gears. Let's do something a little bit fun. Um, not that the rest wasn't fun, but when you think about the top three tools for a data scientist, what would they be? This is going to be, uh, you know, totally not the answer you're looking for. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's okay. The first tool, the first tool it, it, you know, the, the knee jerk is to say, well, we use Python, we use right. Wars. No, the first tool is business acumen. Okay. You don't have any business acumen that you have no place as a data scientist. You just don't. Okay. Because you cannot produce something that's connected with the business. So your first tool as a data scientist and the yep. one that you should always go to first is, is that business acumen. Okay. The second one is the principles of software architecture because so many data science projects are hacked together, right. you know, barely software engineered, and then we hand them to someone and say, well, good luck. Right. That shouldn't happen. Okay. That that kills business value. Mm-hmm. And then you can start talking about, you know, tools that help us with data cleansing. You can start talking about some frameworks and some methodologies that help us to build our models and deploy them successfully into production. And, and there's a lot of different tools, and I don't want to wander sure. too far into yep. the, the R versus Python debate, mm-hmm. which... Oh, why not? My answer is neither. I don't think either <laughs> one of those belongs in production. Okay. I think if you're not coding in something like Java or C, C++, um, Scala is a great, uh, a great alternative as well. Uh, you're not coding for production at scale. You're, you're really forcing yourself into having this framework of other third-party tools like Spark and Hadoop and all this other stuff on top to to sort of manage the inefficiencies of some of the scripting languages. Got Not it. that I don't love Python and R for prototyping. It's just sure. in production. Okay. So, yeah, there's my hot take that no one's going to like. Oh, that's okay. I like it. Well, you know, <laughs> when I look at the list, though, it's almost like we're looking for a super person, right? I mean, it's it's personality types, too, to some degree, where, you know, business acumen, not necessarily extroverted, but a little bit more oriented to being a little bit more communicative. And and then you get mm-hmm. into the more technical side of things. And so it's it's really a very unique individual that, that can encapsulate these types of skills, I would imagine. Well, there's two types of data scientists, and one of them is the unicorn. Right. There aren't many unicorns, and we're not really producing more unicorns right now for some of the reasons that we've already talked about. And that's the one where you look at this one person who can take the entire data science life cycle and manage it from soup to nuts. That's the unicorn. And that's not everybody. Mm -hmm. You can build a team with layered skill sets, just like you do in every other functional role. So that instead of hiring, you know, Superman or Wonder Woman for marketing, you hire a team of marketers that can do the job of Superman and Wonder Woman. Right. It's the same thing in data science. You want to have these layered roles. And one of the roles is researcher. Mm -hmm. 
Your research scientist is critical. Your applied data scientist is equally critical. Your data engineer, your machine learning expert, and layer skill sets. Instead of just trying to find one person who does to do everything. everything. Yeah, it's impossible. But there are some fundamentals that everyone has to have. And business acumen, the ability to communicate and work in a team, the ability to evaluate problems, you know, from a fairly creative standpoint, the ability to apply the principles of software architecture Mm -hmm. to the solution. You want to look for those in pretty much everyone. Right. Those are kind of core capabilities, right? In terms of when you're talking to somebody and then the uniqueness is really uh, their ability to produce their creativity to solve problems. And And I would imagine a lot is about their passion for what they're doing. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to love the science side of it. Right. If you don't have that strict sort of research methodology across the board, whether you're writing, you know, whether you're implementing the model in production to researching it, you know, at the very beginning of the project, you need it all the way through because without it, what gets into production typically doesn't match the business need. So, Vin, I'm curious. I know there's a lot of people. It, it, data science is a buzzword. People keep talking about it, and it seems like, in many respects, it's going to solve, from people's perspectives, it's going to solve uh, world hunger. But knowing that that's not true, uh, if people want to learn more about data science and they don't really have a background in it, what would you recommend for them? Where is the best place or conference or book that you might be able to point people to, to, to learn a little bit more about data science? I would, uh, you know, there's a ton of great books, blogs, resources, um, that I could point you in the direction of, but I'll be honest, step one should always be talk to a data scientist. Okay. That's talk to a real one. Don't, yep. you know, don't, uh, don't sort of fall for the, the hype side of data science where you get somebody who two years ago was a digital transformation expert, is this year an expert in machine learning and is uh, already gearing up to be a, big, a blockchain expert next right. year. <laughs> That's not the person that you're looking for. Or you're looking for somebody who's actually an applied data scientist working preferably at one of the larger companies okay. or who has, you know, fairly established track record within the field and buy somebody coffee or buy, right. you know, a lunch or a breakfast or something like that. And you'll find just an openness in this community. Mm-hmm. That's incredible, especially when it comes to bringing new people in or, helping executives who are curious about, you know, what is, what is data science really? Right. You'll find this amazing openness. And a lot of us don't speak the jargon. A lot of us will tell you just straight up what can and can't be done. And I've met so many people that are just amazingly free with their time. That's fantastic. That that would be what I would recommend as step one. And you're going to come away with that from that that initial meeting and discussion with a better understanding about what in data science you care about. If you start trying to take in data science as a whole, mm-hmm. it's like drinking from a fire hose. Right. And every book, every blog, every, every everything, it's, it's just like drinking from this fire hose. Right. It's and so it's better if, 
Yeah, it's better if you, you get that down to a garden hose by <laughs> understanding a few of the basics and kind of narrowing it down more to to what your interest is and what your specific, I guess, goal is. What right? your specific, yeah, what yeah. what your objectives are, yeah. Well, I really, really appreciate you you joining me. I mean, it's it's great. Uh, you know, we had one conversation. Well, thanks for having me. And and you're you like you just said, you've been very generous with your time, and really appreciate you sharing your experience and knowledge. Um, if people wanted to get a, uh, wanted to find you, what's the best place they can reach you? Uh, if you Google me, Vin Bashishta, it's very easy to spell, I promise. <laughs> and you'll find me, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. I'm at V underscore Vashishta. And on LinkedIn, if you just put in my name, there's only one of me. Okay, so fantastic. I'm fairly easy to get a hold of on both of those social platforms. My website's v2ds.com. Uh, that's going through a redesign, so it will be even prettier than it is right now in, in the coming days. So uh, easy to easy to head there and find out what I'm doing. That sounds great. Well, Vin, thanks so much. I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And uh, uh, me too. Thank you again so much for having me. Thank you for the time. No worries. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. Thank you for tuning in to Data Gurus Podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.